0: For gold, we're now three weeks away from the opening ceremonies in Beijing, and despite the surge in Omicron cases worldwide, we're still full steam ahead for the Winter Olympics. The USA men's hockey team was announced Thursday. The team no longer includes NHL players after the league pulled out of the games last month. The roster features 15 American college players, 8 who play hockey in Europe, and 2 from the AHL. None of them have any previous Olympic experience. Last week, Team USA named its biathlon team, long track speed skating team, and figure skating team Speed skater Emery Lehman, who we spoke with in episode four, made his second Olympic team. A very cool story out of the speed skating trials. U.S. speed skating star Brittany Bowe, who already qualified for the 1,000 1,500-meter competitions, gave up her spot in the 500-meter to her teammate Aaron Jackson, who stumbled and finished third in the trials. Jackson had dominated the World Cup circuit, but it was the trials that ultimately determined the U.S. spot. It'll be her second Olympics. Figure skater Jason Brown, who we spoke with in episode six, also punched his ticket to Beijing. Not a surprise, Nathan Chen made the men's figure skating team. He looks like a medal favorite at this point. Mariah Bell, at the age of 25, becomes the U.S.'s oldest female champion. This will be her first Olympics. Alexa Kinnearum and Brandon Frazier are headed to Beijing for pair skating. For Alexa, this is her second time in the Olympics. In 2018, she was with her husband, who has since retired. This will be Frazier's first Olympic Games. He actually tested positive for COVID at the U.S. Championships in Nashville and they couldn't compete, but were successful in petitioning U.S. figure skating based on their body of work up to that point. American snowboarding legend Sean White appears on the verge of locking up his fifth Olympic bid. We won't know officially until the team is announced January 21st. He has four Olympic golds and has indicated these games will be his last. The Omicron virus has forced China to put some areas under lockdown, impacting about 20 million residents. They call it a zero-COVID policy. That being said, there does not appear to be any change in plan when it comes to hosting the games in Beijing. Things are getting tight for the athletes looking to secure those final Olympic spots. One of them is Casey Larson, the 2018 Olympic ski jumper from Barrington, Illinois. Has a strong body of work to this point but he did not grab a qualifying bid at the U.S. Trials on Christmas Day. He's got another competition in Europe this weekend. He's hoping his strong showing there will lock in that second spot and he can join teammate and fellow Illinois native Kevin Bickner in Beijing. By the way, we spoke with Kevin in episode five in our athlete spotlight we talked to casey who's mentally preparing for china but does need to take care of some business first so what was what was that experience like in 2018 what was it like the competition itself what was olympic village like what was it like to be part of uh, you know all of the ceremonies
1: uh thinking back now i'm like i can't believe i was around that many people when i like had to be an athlete like i can't believe i was like meeting new people just in the mess hall because obviously uh i haven't talked to any athletes in tokyo but i'm assuming especially beijing it's going to be completely different but uh but yeah it was it was super cool i definitely you know didn't have a lot of pressure on my shoulders to like go win a medal i was pretty young uh just kind of set my foot in the water in terms of like at that high level of uh of the sport uh so it was really cool just to like experience you know i was told to like go experience it you know uh make sure you you know go watch other athletes go go watch other sports and just have a good time at the olympics and kind of uh kind of gain a respect for that big of an event and i definitely did that you know i actually jumped probably above my means at that point you know i I was lucky enough to be on that fourth member on that you know four-man team just kind of not to fill a spot but to uh i was because my my other teammates qualified that fourth spot for me i was able to go um so just kind of being there and enjoying it and, and and having fun was was well had. But now kind of looking forward to you know a month from now, uh, it's it's a little bit different of a game. It's going to be a lot more serious, just with COVID especially, you know, we're not going to be able to go to you know other sports or really you know you know expand outside of our bubble. So
0: were you able to kind of drink all that in? Because this is going to be completely different. I mean, the fan experience is going to be different. You're 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 going to be in. They haven't said the word bubble yet. I think it's called a closed ring or something like that. But you are going to, you know, get wheels down, compete, and you're probably going to have to get the heck out of there. I don't know what the scheduling is like at this point, but, you know, there's not going to be a lot of time to rub elbows with the hockey players and the curlers and and anything like that.
1: Yeah, it is a little bit of a bummer, but, you know, that's already our plan. I think kind of talking to people and and figuring things out is – uh, we're not sadly we were it just doesn't make sense for us in terms of because we're already inside of that window of if you test positive you're gonna have a hard time getting into china so mm-hmm. um i actually kind of planned it out okay i think where i actually got my booster like two days ago um okay. and I, you know i went a really long time without getting boosted because i kind of came to europe right when the cdc opened it up to everybody and then i've been competing and haven't wanted to feel like you know crap for a day or something like that and i've been you know pretty well quarantined when we're competing, you know, yeah, I'm not going out and going to bars or anything like that. So I was, wasn't too scared. And then, uh, and yeah, got my booster yesterday. So hopefully that'll kind of, you know, take full effect and into that, you know, keep me safe through, through Beijing, um, is the, the big idea, but obviously crazy things can happen. But, uh, yeah, if you test positive now, it's, it's not looking great. So,
0: Deborah- So are you in kind of like an isolation situation? I mean, are you basically competing and then quarantining?
1: Yeah, so we have one more competition this next weekend. Um, I actually don't have a, a – technically, and, you know, could be more than technically, don't have a spot yet for the Olympics. So I'm still fighting for one more week for that, make sure that spot is 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 going to be mine. Um, so we're going to compete. And then after that team is named, after we figure all that out, um, then whoever is on that Beijing team will be uh, – will quarantine uh, pretty much. Just probably go to – you know, go somewhere – We'll have a nice camp. We 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 talked about going on a little uh, little physical camp and then jumping for a little bit um, right before Beijing. Missing a couple competitions on the World Cup circuit just to make sure we don't test positive and then
0: and mm-hmm. head over. I know you guys are drug tested constantly, or at least there's always the threat looming that you'll be drug tested at any moment. I mean, are, are they doing that with COVID testing as well? Are they just grabbing you and testing you, or is it only if if you experience symptoms, or maybe you're just doing it randomly?
1: Uh, no, so it's it's um. It's depending on the country. It's all all like country based. So I know with uh, pretty much Germany, you have to get tested to to go in there and show show a test. So we'll get tested the day before we leave, heading to Germany. Like I'm going to Germany this weekend. So I'll get tested on Thursday, drive there on Friday, um, show them the tests, show them we're boosted, show them that we're vaccinated, and then should be able to compete totally fine. And if you're obviously, you know, it's definitely better to test positive in slovenia where we live because then you can be quarantine at home but no they're not really testing too much um, once you get to the competition
0: tell me about these last four years because you it looks like you had an injury uh we obviously dealt with covid i mean this is probably a much different cycle than you went through in 2018 obviously you're a little older a little more experienced but i mean you've, you've definitely had some challenges
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the kind of right after the Olympics, it was always weird. I mean, what they talk about with like the post-Olympic blues and like kind of struggling um, and having that happen at like such a young age where I was like, you know, like when you're a kid, you think about going to the Olympics, you know, you're like, I'm going to go to the Olympics, I'm going to deal with this and it's going to be sweet. I did it. Like I accomplished in those first two years of me being at a high level 2017, 2018, I did everything I ever wanted to do as a kid. So I definitely struggled to kind of get back in and find the love for the sport again. And it kind of took me the whole summer, I'd say, after um, the Olympics. And then, but then that winter, um, so 2019, 2018, 2019 winter actually ended up being pretty successful um, kind of in the second half, did pretty well at world championships um, Was you know, snuck into the top 30 there, qualified for every event, um, you know, had some fun ski flying later in the year. And then, um, then I really struggled just with my jumping, just with like, not even fitness just sometimes technique can take a turn go into a little bit of a slump that 2019 2020 year where i actually didn't really get affected by covid at at the competition in that in those early months i was kind of already back home uh actually ready to go back out to Europe. but then you know we we shut down the borders and everything and then uh last year was pretty good um scored some world cup points kind of got an olympic spot you know for the united states in that sense um my name wasn't attached to it but uh then yeah looking forward this year's been been the summer was great uh the start of the winter was a little rocky but my kind of whole plan was to kind of peak and, and be on the come up for for beijing um which worked a little too well we're definitely starting to figure things out um you know body feels good mind feels good the results are getting there um i just wish they were getting there a little bit quicker i definitely could have had some better weekends uh sprinkled in there but uh can't change the fast so you just gotta kind of keep looking forward but yeah that injury that was torn shoulder labrum during covid so i wasn't even really jumping a whole lot nobody was jumping in the world a whole lot that way so i was it was actually kind of nice just uh not nice to carry your labrum and not be able to uh, use your left arm for a while but for the most part i just kind of used it as a positive and got my mind right you know took took a little bit of a time off and and then kind of came back pretty strong which was you
0: said you're kind of in a ramp up cycle right now i mean you, the, the way your sport is you jump um you know what what is it just like what your expectation is now compared to what it was a few months ago or a couple of years ago or um you know is, is there something more physical to how you're ramping up
1: yeah i think it's i think it's a little bit of both i think um what we find in especially like I just made sure I pretty much what I, what I I mean when I say that is I really tried not to like get burnt out in the summer. Like I really made sure I was home a lot because we spent a lot of time in Europe. I mean, you'll find that we're spending 10, 11 months in Europe. Um, I probably spent, um, probably split 50, 50, uh, it'll kind of be six months, six months at the end of this year, probably. Um, where I'd actually spend a lot of time back in, uh, back in park city is where I live now. um, just kind of making sure that i recoup i train really well there like i you know there's nothing you know i can't i can jump there i can work out in the gym there it's the same with slovenia in that in that sense so i and i have my coaches but being home and you know being with my friends there is like you know offers a little bit different uh perspective on the sport and i think that being home for me is really good um i think everybody likes being home but i definitely uh found myself spending a little bit more time at home. I did my job over here in the summer. I came over here for a couple months, cranked out some really good competitions um, in Kazakhstan and Russia, where I, um, again, like, got some really solid points for for an Olympic spot. And then I uh, I was the only American to kind of be able to secure that many points and, and kind of get that going. And then I kind of immediately, when I did my job, I came back home to train and get ready. And then, boom, came over here in November, like, mentally pretty ready to go. And uh, I think it's kind of served me well just because I'm, you know, not wanting to be home. I really want to be here and and be jumping and and kind of keeping it going, which is sometimes different than, than other years.
0: It, It seems mentally as though you're preparing for Beijing as though you're going, obviously you have not formally, you know, punched your bid yet. Whereas Kevin has, I'm sure there are positives and negatives to both. On one hand, you're very hungry, obviously at this point, whereas you know, he, he can kind of sit back and relax a little bit more. I, I, do you see that as an advantage, a, a disadvantage? I'm sure you'd rather have it in your back pocket, but on the other hand too, mentally, I, I'm sure that it's helping you, you know, prepare for the next thing and realize this, these are the steps I have to take.
1: Totally. And I think, yeah, I think there's definitely, it's a double edged sword at that, at that sense too. Cause it's like, you always want to be hungry. You always want to pack it. And I think for, uh, for me right now, it's like, it's not desperation mode, but it's like you know you got to get your because I had my chances, you know I, I can't complain about uh, the amount of chances I got. I had you know all of right after New Year's I had you know four hills tournament to uh, to kind of show what I was worth, and I you know I jumped really well. I was kind of the top American overall, but uh, not good enough to like really kind of set in stone that I'm that I'm going, and to not have one more weekend to kind of prove that. So it's interesting. It's definitely uh, it's definitely not where I wanted to be, you know at the end of the day but uh i do have to prepare like i'm going i i mean i'll deal with that when it comes to it and you know in the back of my mind i'm very aware you know you have a plan if you don't go to beijing and mentally i'm okay with it it's not going to end my career you know i'm I'm still you know 23 years old so i'm very okay if, if beijing doesn't come into my uh you know doesn't end up happening for me it's not it's not the end of end of anything but
0: uh yeah you know i gotta i gotta prepare like i'm going for sure so are you trying to hit a score? Are you trying to impress the U.S. team? Are you? What is it that you are trying to accomplish now to to get yeah, that?
1: Pretty much just trying to – because it's it's discretion. I mean, they want to bring who is going to give them the best chance for a medal. So pretty much it is just kind of like, you know, there, there's something to kind of being at the top of your team, but at the same time um, the rest of my team isn't, you know, going to win a gold medal. Like you're kind of trying to prove that, hey, like I'm not only – maybe the top one on my team, but I'm also crushing everybody else in the world. You know, you want to be ahead of the Austrians. You want to be ahead of the Norwegians and the, you know, the Polish guys. So uh, that's what you're, that's what you're out to prove at a competition, especially one like this, where you're the time's taken and you just want to prove, you know, kind of cement the fact that, that, Hey, I, I deserve that spot.
0: Where are we at? As Americans in the, in the sport of ski jumping right now. Um, you know, obviously you, you, you listed off those European countries and we, we don't huddle around the television and watch ski jumping like we do football or basketball or baseball here in the States. I know that uh, there's some, some new, uh, some new venues in, in Lake Placid that, that, uh, you know, could propel the sport a little bit further. Where are we at right now as a state of ski jumping in the United States?
1: on the world stage we're definitely considered a uh it's funny because we're considered a small country you know we're considered um we're, we we don't have the funding we don't have some of the other stuff some of those other other countries have so it's it's always interesting when when you kind of like are talking to a friend and they you know they're well they're used to seeing even at the in, at the olympic sports we are just like at the top of the medal list at the top of this but we're not at the top of the medal list for every sport you know and ski jumping is one of the sports where we're me and my teammates, we're struggling to... Uh, we're not struggling, but we're, you know, trying to get to that point. Obviously, you know, it's all of our goals. We know what we're capable of. We want to get there. But, uh, but we're not there yet. We're all young. You know, Kevin's the oldest one at 25. And then I'm next up in line. So, like, it's a young team. Uh, in theory, we've got a lot of years left, even the old guys. So, it's like, we know we can get there. But we do need... Um, at the end of the day, it's like, it's tough to do with as little funding as we have. Um, but that's not my job to worry about. My job is to take what I got and, and go compete with it. So, um, but yeah, sometimes you do wish that you had the, the German budget or the Austrian budget, and maybe things would be a little different. But um, it could also be completely different in the wrong way, you know. Because some of those, you know, when you have that many jumpers like the Austrians do, you know, they wean them out early. You know, who knows if Case Larson from Barrington, Illinois, would have like actually risen the ranks, um, which which I can only thank like. The small country for doing right, like our small coaches are you know small clubs that that bring us up and love the sport and just love love being there and at the competitions. Like I mean, if anybody listening has been in our ski club, you know how sick it is. Like you know that somehow this weird sport draws like five thousand people to the competitions. Um, so that's kind of why I like that's why I do it. That's why I remember like having so much fun and and being able to go home and, and jump at the Nordic ski club is is probably the coolest part about it.
0: It, it it would seem i mean once you get to this high level every sport is expensive but it, is it a, a pretty pricey sport i assume that traveling is a big part of um you know what what costs money on your end i mean do you go out and get sponsorships are you able to self fund do you need to have a job on the side how, how do you how do you maintain through all of this
1: a little bit of everything definitely got a job on the side i have a job in park city um but then other than that i mean it's definitely part-time, right? Like I'm only home X amount of days. And then those days that I am home training, you know, seven days a week. So it's, you definitely got to find time for making money. Um, It's, it's definitely tough to self fund. I don't find uh, a ton of success in uh, being able to like find sponsorships, especially us based because they don't know what the sport is. They don't really kind of have that understanding. So um, for the most part, it's, it's just kind of trying to scrape together what you can. It's amazing what, you know, people can do and what usa nordic is able to do for us so uh, we make it work obviously i'm definitely not uh, making any money yet uh mm-hmm. maybe someday i mean you can definitely draw some big european sponsors i mean we got athletes with red bull helmets with um you know milka helmet we, you know we got uh we got the big brands that are interested in the sport because i mean it is massive we will during you know before covid we were filling up 40 people stadiums like soldier field was a ski jump and uh uh, you know, in Austria and Germany. So it's really cool how big the sport is. I mean, it is the number one most watched Olympic winter sport. Um, is there prize money then for the sports when you compete in them? In the winter, top 30 make money on World Cup. Um, so your you're winner's making 10 grand just in prize money. And then uh, we'll have a couple like big, big like uh, tournaments throughout the year where it's like a four-day, five-day event where you travel from different places. Like I just got done with the Four Hills Tournament, which is two in Germany, two in Austria pick over new year's break. And, you know, if you win that, it's like a 10,000 each win. And then it's um, like a hundred thousand bonus. And then the winner gets 10,000, but then it just goes down in a couple hundred increments all the way down to the 30th place makes a hundred,
0: hundred Swiss francs. Do you have any pre-jump rituals? I mean, are you a guy who likes to get amped up, throw the headphones on, blast some music? Do you like to chill out and meditate beforehand? How, How do you kind of approach competitions mentally?
1: I do a little bit of everything. I'll put the headphones on, but I find with, if I put the headphones on and like really dial in, um like no talking to anybody, no nothing, it gets bad. Like I get too hyper focused, kind of overthink it too much. So for the most part, we're all such good friends too, where I can usually pop the headphones off, have a normal light conversation about somebody's girlfriend or what we had for dinner the last night. So for the most part, yeah, my warm up run, my 10 minute, 15 minute warm up run, I'll have some headphones on. But then after that, you're just trying to keep it light and easy. Because what we do, is, is tough and you know it's like golf where you you got to be uh you got to be the right amount of focused to relaxed uh to kind of hit that jump perfectly so you're just trying to find the best way to get into that mode and I, I like to keep things as light as possible because i know as soon as i get on that ski jump i'm going to be dialed
0: in pretty much no matter what do you think much in that very short period of time or is it just all allowing your body to just react to you know whatever whatever that moment is? I mean, have you kind of mentally already made these jumps? And so it's just a matter of executing it? Or are you thinking to yourself on your way down, I need to do this, 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 and this?
1: Totally. it's, ton- it's a, I mean, the sport, I mean, I don't think much to begin with. I think I'm pretty bad at that whole part. But uh, for the most part, no. I mean, this sport is so much a visualization. Like in reality, like they say, like, you can go through a million jumps in your brain at night. So if you do that, you've, you've kind of definitely get a really good idea for what you want to do on the ski jump the next day. So, um, yeah, I'd say it's a, uh, you're pretty good. You'd want to think as little as possible up there. You want to be focused. You know, it is, it is, uh, some people think it's scary. Some people think it's dangerous, but for the most part, you're just focused on what you need to do. Um, you know, in training, you're trying to listen to your coach. So at a competition, I'm usually just trying to listen to my coach. Uh, I'm not focused on going 180 meters. I'm just focused on, Maybe keeping my chest
0: down. And if I do that, I'll know I'm gonna go 140 meters. It's gonna be all good. At what mo- moment do you know this was a good jump, this was a bad jump? I mean, is it immediate or you know, does it take to the to the time you land when you know this this was a good jump?
1: Well, after I open my eyes finally, uh no, I'm kidding. I uh uh usually pretty pretty quickly, you know, kind of like you know, you get in that you have that long in run where you get into your in-run position and uh for me i always i'm always tweaking my end run i i that's kind of been the big season thing for me is i'm i'm really trying to find some consistency in my end run so i know kind of how to set it each time um which comes and goes that consistency's tough to hold on to so you're always trying to find different feelings and find different things so um if if pretty much if i set my in run right um the only other thing i got to do is just uh kind of be on time like just push down normally on that takeoff and, and hit it right and Once you get into the air and feel your skis, you know, if you're going far, you're going short. So pretty much immediately. And then, and then the whole whole thing in the air is just like, you see so many, that's why it's cool watching ski jumping is you have all these different athletes who look different in the air, but look kind of similar everywhere else. And that's the one part of the sport where everybody finds their own way to like go far and fly. Like I, you know, Kevin and I grew up with the same coach jumping the same hill our entire lives. And we look completely different. We've both found like completely different ways of getting our skis flat and like, you know, accelerating and going far. So it's, that, that part's really interesting to me. And that's kind of why I love
0: the sport is like we all have that own, our own feelings that, that we try and search for. One thing that I really like to, to ask it, all the athletes is the logistics of your equipment. Is it with you at all times? Do you ship it around? Like, how, how do you get from place to place with your equipment and how much do you bring?
1: So the really nice thing about being located in pretty much central Europe, like Slovenia, is you are max eight hours away from pretty much everywhere. So we drive most places to most competitions. The only times we'll fly are if we're going back home, um, we're going to Scandinavia, or we're going to anywhere pretty much Romania on. So we'll go to Romania, we'll go to Russia, we'll go to Kazakhstan, um, go to Japan. So we'll fly all those places. But if it's closer than that, we we're, we're probably driving. I would just hop in the van, and those skis slide on the floor of the van. Some vans have like a big big rack up top, but our skis are two hundred and some of us have like two hundred and sixty centimeter skis. So it's like almost it's like six and a half feet long, six seven feet long. So they're they're big boys. Mine are like two hundred and fifty centimeters long.
0: You just have one set, or
1: do you have multiple sets in case? We'll have we'll multiple sets. So if we're driving, we, we're not really worried too much about space. We're all, uh if we can, if it makes sense in the baggage, I'll bring two pair. But uh, but yeah, if we're, if we're flying, we just have really big ski bags and that's it. Like that's our only crazy amount of equipment. We'll have a ski and boot bag and then we'll have just regular duffel. We are like, I'll have, I've never brought more than two pair of skis to a competition. All the pair I love that I that I know is my my. A butter pair and then i'll have a pair that's like if conditions are crazy usually have like a tailwind pair that are really soft or just a backup pair in case something happens um but that's it that's there's, there's not much to it
0: it's it's not like uh it's not like football cleats where if it's raining or if there's sleet, you you switch to this version versus that version yeah
1: totally then not so much and i'm th- this is another being a small country thing so the big countries have like two cargo vans They'll have like each athlete will have like three or four pairs of skis. None none of them will worry, none of them will even have to like think about it. They'll have techs doing everything where I wax my own skis every jump. Like there's just, there is a little bit of a difference there. And uh, I kind of like it. Like I love wax my skis. I try and never complain about being a small country. I mean, it gives me something to do in like the sometimes 45 minutes in between jumps at competitions where you'd either be just sitting there overthinking things, or at least I'm like doing something, getting my skis ready. So I kind of like it.
0: All right. Where can people follow you? And uh, are you updating like on social media frequently?
1: Yeah, I I do. I post on Instagram. It's a good place at Casey Larson. I got the blue check Mark, which is sick. I don't know how that happened. Um, And then actually I love Twitter um, at Casey 16 Larson. I like posting on that. Um, But then, yeah, I got a Facebook page and stuff like that, but Instagram and Twitter are definitely, definitely where I, Twitter for the funny stuff and not super funny. I'm pretty lame actually, and then, and then Instagram for the for the normal stuff, the pictures of me jumping and crap like
0: that. And of course, uh, you've got a big fan base here in the Chicago area. I, I assume there are going to be watch parties, uh, one way or another, for you. And um, there's I
1: hope. and then the biggest shout out that I want to give is January 28th and 29th. I think those are the right dates. Mergy Ski Club in Fox River Grove, Illinois, has a uh, competition. And I think they named the slice of pizza you can buy at the concession stand after me. And then I think Kevin got the entire Jägermeister shot. So I'm kind of jealous of that. But, uh, but those are super fun. I mean, kids huck themselves off that ski jump. So it's, it's always always crazy to watch. So it's, uh, it's definitely a good party.
0: I've been there. It is a lot of fun. And I've met your father before. And he's obviously very excited and excited for you and excited for Kevin and everything that's coming out of that ski club. And you, you your sister's a, a jumper too, right? Who's a highly competitive yeah. jumper.
1: Yeah, she's she's getting she's getting there. We'll we'll see her in probably 26.
0: Thank you, Casey. We'll be following him this weekend, next week on Quest for Gold. We talked to figure skating duo Alexa Knierim and Brandon Fraser about making the Olympic team despite Fraser catching COVID at the U.S. Championships. I'm Ryan burrow We'll talk to you then right here on Quest for Gold.